It is July 1st, 2021. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real Estate for All podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Middlebrooks, Realtor and Navy veteran, joined by Cynthia Davis, owner and broker of Alert. This week in real estate news, we have a major decision which came down from the U.S. Supreme Court on the CDC's eviction moratorium that was instituted last September to prevent landlords from evicting their tenants due to pandemic-related circumstances. We're also discussing the continual increase in home prices and how that could be shutting out buyers on the lower end of the market. 56%, 56%, that's the amount that one study shows that solar panels could boost your home value. All skeptics are welcome. <laughs> and lastly, do you know the difference between a porch and a patio? If you don't, rest assured you are in good company. Nevertheless, we'll paint a clearer picture of some of the differences for you. That is this week in real estate news on the Real Estate for All podcast. Let's start off with our top story of the week. A majority of the U.S. Supreme Court agreed Tuesday evening that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, also known as CDC, does not have the authority to issue a nationwide eviction moratorium. Now, this does come about nine months after the CDC issued a nationwide eviction moratorium. Nevertheless, there has been much controversy over this issue. So for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, in September of 2020, the CDC issued an eviction moratorium, essentially stating that a tenant could not be evicted by a landlord for non-payment of rent if the reason for that non-payment of rent was related to the pandemic. Since so many things, whether through first, second, or third order effects, could be tied to the pandemic, the CDC's moratorium, in essence, prevented evictions for the last nine months. So what do you think? Good thing? Bad thing? I am in agreement with the National Association of Realtors because they have been pushing for this ever since it started. And I am in agreement because we have mom and pop landlords who are being put in a financial strain because they are wanting their mortgage paid on time, yet the tenants are not paying the mortgage, whether it is actually uh, pandemic-related reasons or not. So yes, I am. I am glad to see that there will be some relief for those small homeowners that are trying to make it out here. It's been both a good and a bad thing. Good, obviously, being that, you know, the people who lost their jobs and income, you know, as an unfortunate circumstance of the pandemic, wouldn't have to worry about their families being put out on the street. The bad thing is, as you stated, the landlords who depend on that rent payment to pay mortgages for their rental properties, uh, it puts them in a tight spot. And uh, landlords are also responsible for maintenance and upkeep of major systems and appliances in the home, as well as property taxes. And so you can imagine all these financial responsibilities for a home where the tenant is not paying rent and you can't evict them. uh, It can all become a bad situation pretty quickly. Yes, I totally agree with you. And what these federal judges are also saying that, yes, it's something that needed to be instituted. Something needs to be put in place so that everyone that lost their job is not subject to eviction and becoming homeless. However, I think the, uh, to go even deeper, it is saying, but did the CDC have the authority to do that? Are they acting in their lane or are they out of their lane? 
in 2021, it's so easy for things to become politicized. And this topic is no different. And in an effort to present things from a different view on the topic, I do find it interesting that the CDC chose to issue a moratorium that prevented landlords from evicting tenants and all the stuff that would mean for the landlord and potential potentially the mortgage companies as well, but they didn't take the same level of action to issue something like a requirement for people to wear masks in public places, which at least in my mind seems like something that would be more along the lines of the CDC's area um, or swim lane. You can take it either way. If you want to argue that it's a good thing, it's a good thing for some, but it has been tremendously financially devastating for landlords as well as they try and dig into their pockets to cover those mortgages and keep their credit score good as well. So you have to look at it from both sides. It's important to note that the Supreme Court did not lift the ban, which is set to expire July 31st. So though the Supreme Court did rule that actions taken by the CDC were unlawful, they did not lift the ban, so the ban will stay in place and expire naturally um, at the end of July, on July 31st. Right, because uh, President Biden had extended it to July 31st. Now, what I find interesting as well is, is that the Supreme Court had a lot of support for going ahead and just chopping it off and say, no, it ends June 30th. But they did have some compassion and they left it there until July 31st so that people have an opportunity to work with the landlord to be able to come up with some other alternatives for housing. So they, they did have that compassion, which I truly applaud them for. Yeah, I guess we'll more to come and we'll see how things unfold as we get closer and closer to July 31st. I, I, I agree, we will see some more, but there's also the opportunity that's being pushed for for the uh, rent relief fund to begin to uh, distribute funds to those tenants that are in need of financial assistance for payment of rent. That is something I think we'll see more information of as we get closer to July 31st. Well, moving on, surging new home prices are shutting out the lower end buyers. So rising home prices and new construction have mostly shut out a lot of buyers on the lower end of the market. And this is according to a new analysis from the National Association of Home Builders, who said that in the bottom one fourth of the market, they've uh, had to exclusively, exclusively look at the stock of existing homes. So that's to say that people who are tend to look at homes that are priced in the bottom one fourth of the market. Now they're having to just look at resales or properties that are already existing, not new homes, because new home construction prices have been surging beyond what they qualify for and what they're able to afford. So uh, it's been continuing since last year and we're, we're midway through 2021, today being July 1st, and it's, uh, it's still on the uptick with the surging home prices and building materials and everything, which is aiding in that home price surge. Absolutely. When we talk about statistics show that the median price point May of last year of 2020, that where we are in May of 2021, prices increased approximately 18 percent. That is amazing because generally what we've been experiencing in my real estate career has been approximately three 
to 4% increase. And now we're looking at an 18% increase. That is mind boggling. So we see how it is eliminating the lower end below 200,000 buyer because the builder at the cost of building supplies is not able to, to build that product. And just to give some numbers for uh, perspective, uh, this is according to the National Association of Home Builders analysis, the median home price of newly built single family homes uh, that started in 2020 was 336,000. And this is nationwide numbers. So about 79% of those homes were priced between 250,000 and $1,000,000. Almost none were priced below $150,000. So just to give you some perspective on how much the market is increasing and how much there's been a surge in the home prices that is really making home ownership hard, if not unattainable for a lot of people who are looking at prices in the lower end of the market. It is, it really is. And it saddens me because you have those home buyers out there that are qualified to buy, but there aren't any properties within the price range for which they qualify for. And so that is, it is disheartening for the, that particular pool of buyers. And it's disheartening for real estate professionals because our desire is to protect property rights and property ownership rights. But at the same time, we're not able to help those who are in a certain price point. One of the things that have been contributing to the surging home prices is the demand for housing, particularly a lot of people have been moving more towards the suburbs because one thing that the pandemic did fuel was this work from home lifestyle. And with that, a lot of people want nicer homes with more space uh, that they can maybe have a home office and uh, a relaxing area where they can kind of enjoy the indoor outdoor living at home. And so since a lot of people are working completely from home or maybe it's a hybrid thing now where they're working partially in the office and partially at home now, that has caused for an increase in those home prices. Homes are just more and more in demand now with uh, where we're at in the pandemic and what people foresee being the future of how we'll work more from home, more virtually, uh, more with Zoom and using, you know, technology to do our jobs. So, Right. And with that, uh, with the opportunity presenting itself for homeowners to work from home, then they need an outlet outside of the home, because when you've been in the home all day long, they want to be able to have space to spread their wings or that second home somewhere they can go and just kind of relax because now home has become work. Even if you have a room that you're doing it in and you can close that room off, you're still in a mindset of when I'm home, I'm still at the job. So Exactly. And that uh, another home trend that has aided too is we were in this whole trend where everybody wanted an open concept ah, yes. and everybody wanted, oh, I want everything to be open in the kitchen, open to the living room and the family room and just nice open concept in the pandemic. Everybody's like, I want my space. I want to have a door where I can close off, you know, and have my own private space to work or relax or right. focus on what I want to focus on. So um, interesting how the circumstances that we're in kind of dictate uh, our needs and our wants.
So moving on to our next topic, solar panels boost home value by 56%. And this is according to a new analysis from porch.com, which is a home improvement resource. So they are saying that uh, solar panels tend to list 56% above the average home price. And solar panel homes tend to cost an average of $680,000. So that might not be the case where you live at, but again, these are national numbers. Um, which is about 48% more than the average home in a given area. And this is according to their study that they did. So solar homes tend to be more attractive in certain markets than in other markets as well. For me personally, I think it's the trend that we're going to be seeing more of. So with the solar panel homes, I am definitely seeing more presence of those in neighborhoods. I am seeing them on rooftops and it's helping people to lower their utility bill as well. I've even done some studies where it's happening where they end up selling the extra energy to one of the utility companies, which can generate some income for them as well. At the same time, you said that in certain areas, naturally in the sunnier areas, you're going to see more of a surge, I believe. And I think it, the study that you're referring to said that Pensacola, Florida was, has the highest premium uh, being uh, paid for solar powered homes. And anything that's gonna help with energy efficiency, I think it's gonna be a boost. I think what is critical here is, is that they are able to document and show that solar panels do increase property value in opposed to some other additions and recreational things that you can add to your home. I think it's a separate study from the Solar Nerd found that solar installation can add up to $56,000 to the value of the home. Um, unlike adding a swimming pool, which mm -hmm. is something that does not typically pay for itself. Um, if you have a home, you add a swimming pool to it. The cost of adding that swimming pool does not translate to cost that equivalent cost being added to uh, the value of your home. Uh, but solar panels are a little bit different. Um, according to the studies that are done um, by porch.com and the solar nerd, uh, solar panels can reap you a lot more value in having them attached to your home vice what you can get with a lot of other upgrades or updates that you can do. So, Alrighty, and moving on to our final topic, porch versus patio. Do you know the difference? I have to be honest, um, I, I learned a little bit uh, going through some of the research of this as well because I admittedly didn't know all of the differences between porches and patios, but they are not the same. Um, and they're both in high demand uh, mm -hmm. with us being in the pandemic and a lot of people, as we stated earlier, wanting to move out to the suburbs, get a little bit more space, have a nice outdoor living area. It's worth noting the differences and homeowners and buyers want, you know, more outdoor space. And so a patio is usually found in the backyard. It's often made from a poured concrete or stone pavers. And on the other hand, porches are usually attached to the front of the house and covered by a roof or an awning. So, you know, you generally walk up onto the front porch to get to the front door. Um, and they're usually built onto the house and considered an architectural feature of the home. And so this is a quote from Lena Galvayo, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. She's an interior designer and she is 
she said that a porch is a charming and welcoming spot in the home. It, it can add curb appeal and can be a relaxing place to hang out and people watch. A patio is often less formal as it is usually in a private area of the yard and often has a grill or seating. It doesn't necessarily set the tone for the house like a porch might, but it serves a wonderful area for relaxing and entertaining. And so that's something that I found very interesting that I didn't really uh, recognize initially with the differences between a porch and a patio is how much uh, having a patio really is more for that private, relaxing, you know, entertaining space, whereas a porch is it sets more of a, a tone for the look of a house and you know you get out there and like she said people watch if that's your thing i don't really care to watch people that much but the, the differences between them though right with the porch you know i grew up in a time when you have a front porch and everyone gathered on the front porch and on the front porch is where you people watched and it is where you had your conversations and and things of that nature but at the same time, in real estate, we always tell people, take very good care of your front presence of your home, that front porch. You want to make sure that area is beautified, it is inviting, but that is the part that pretty much sets the tone for what they're going to walk into in that home. So if you have a couple of chairs sitting out there and some plants out there, that's pretty much saying, okay, I'm getting ready to come into a, a nice, well-kept environment inside. But yes, that front porch is good. And then as you said, that patio, now people need that space where they can go and relax. To give you a few numbers, the National Association of Realtors Remodeling Report estimates that installing a 18 by 16 foot concrete paver patio will cost you about $7,200. Okay. So the estimated return on investment is about $5,000 or about 69% of that cost when you sell your home. So adding a new wooden deck is going to run you more. It's going to be more expensive. It'll cost you about $10,000, but you could recoup about 80% of that when you sell your home. So just to paint the picture, if you're thinking, oh, do I want to go porch? Do I want to go deck it could depend upon what your budget is it'll be cheaper for you to just lay that uh concrete paper patio um and just spend the money there than it would be to build a deck but the cost to recoup it you may recoup more getting that deck than what you would getting a porch for our listeners what our goal is is to just give them the information they need to be smart uh, decision makers in this real estate market and the opportunities that are available to them out there. All right, well, that's all that we have for you on this week in real estate news. Thank you for tuning in. Please like and subscribe to the podcast and rate us. Good or bad, let us know what you like and how we can improve. Cynthia and myself are both affiliated with Alert, which is a licensed real estate brokerage and real estate school. So whether you're looking to buy and sell a home or become a licensed salesperson or broker, we hope you'll give us the opportunity to help you achieve those goals. Just looking for free information, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram or visit the website at alertpropertiesre.com. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing.